This episode is with special guest Joy Kieran, who offers equine-assisted counseling with the help of her amazing horse, Shea. We talk all about the ways that horses can be an embodied and powerful way to learn about yourself, move through blocks and challenges, and build confidence, as well as the spiritual connection and love that horses can bring. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Embody Podcast, a show about remembering and embodying your true nature— inner wisdom, embodied healing, and self-love. My name is Candace Wu, and I'm a holistic healing facilitator, intuitive coach, and artist sharing my personal journey of vulnerability, offering meditations and guided healing support, and having co-creative conversations with healers and wellness practitioners from all over the world. Today's episode is brought to you by the Sound Sleep Alchemy Album, which is an album of 11 healing experientials and meditations that will help you feel more grounded, restful, and easeful in your sleep and throughout the day. It's a stepping stone towards healing trauma, bringing your nervous system to a baseline where you feel relaxed and calm, and looking at the deeper aspects of sleep issues and feeling disembodied. It's one of my offerings that you can find at my website at candicewu.com soundsleep. Your support in ordering an album helps me to make more healing albums, content, and produce more podcast episodes. Thank you all out there for being awesome, listening into the show, and supporting it in ways that you can. And now let's get to the show. So for the month of July, I was house-sitting and cat-sitting in Perth, Australia. Being in the suburbs of Perth, I was seeing all sorts of farmlands, expansive fields, as well as horse farms. And I just remembered that spark in me that wanted to learn to ride horses. I've only ridden a horse one other time. And this time, as I thought about horseback riding, thought about my spirit animal um, that comes to me in my dreams often, which is a horse, I just started crying, realizing that I needed to do this. I needed to learn how to ride a horse. I needed to be with horses and learn from them. So I was actually connected to Joy through the friend that I was house-sitting for, and I just could not be more thrilled about this meeting. And what's even more exciting, to find someone that did equine-assisted learning and counseling, so horses mixed with healing and therapy and empowerment, two things that I already know I love. So here today we have Joy Kieran with us, and she is Joy by name but also by nature. She just lives to help others discover joy in her life. And using her own experiences of overcoming anxiety and depression, she is able to relate to many others going through similar struggles. Joy's work is based in sunny Perth, and she offers these equine-assisted counseling and learning services with the help of her amazing horse, Shea. She's a qualified counselor and uses her intuition to select from a wide range of counseling techniques and equine activities and just blends them in this creative way. But she also gives an incredible amount of space for whatever you want to bring and how you want to explore being with a horse or working with any of the struggles, challenges, or desires you have. So here's our conversation. I hope you enjoy it. And following this episode, there's a bonus, a video of me having a session with Joy and her horse, Shea. In the session, which was very powerful, I touched into some of my longstanding suffering and uh, feeling a new baseline of rest 
and ease in my body. Also, I want to mention, as usual, with most of my guests on the show, there's a special gift offered by Joy to those who are inspired to work with her and Shea. And if that even means taking a trip to Perth, great. Feel free to check that out at the end of the episode. And just one more thing before we jump into the episode, just to give a heads up, Joy starts with a prayer. Just like with her clients in her sessions, she invites prayer if you feel comfortable with it and if you desire it. And so in this episode, we start off with a prayer. And if it's not for you, you can skip it and just move forward. Or you can just receive whatever it is that you can from it. If you're curious about that, you can check out also near the end of the episode where Joy talks more about prayer and how she incorporates it. So without further ado, here is Joy. Okay, here we are with Joy Kieran, and we are in Wanneroo, the northern suburbs of Perth in Australia. And I'm so thrilled to be here with you today. Welcome. Thank you, Candice. I'm very excited to be here with you today and feel very privileged and honored to be part of this podcast. So thank you and welcome. Thank you. Yes, I'm a guest here. And uh, you'd like to start with a prayer and I'd welcome you to do that. Beautiful. Dear Lord, I just acknowledge your presence here with us now and I just uh, ask your blessing on our time together that everyone who hears this podcast may just receive a blessing from it, that they may grow in some way personally, socially, spiritually, emotionally, and just get whatever they need uh, out of our time together, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. So we are here. Uh, would you call this a farm or just more just like a horse? Yeah, the owners call it a farm. I'm from much larger properties. So for me, this is more of a, a lifestyle property. <laughs> so it's about five acres in size, mostly green, even in summer because uh, we have reticulation here. And yeah, it, it is a bit of a farm because of all the animals and birds that tend to be wandering about the place, <laughs> as you can see got some ducks and some chickens and some lambs who you might hear their little footsteps treading on the ground around us. And an occasional bleat. An occasional bleat. And one of them was um, gnawing at the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse the different noises or enjoy them rather. Yes, I can see him chomping on a little owl statue at the moment. They're quite enjoying that over there. Fascinating. (laughs) I want to just begin with inviting you, Joy, to share what it is you do, who you are, and anything you want to about the equine assisted living uh, in teaching that you do. Beautiful. Thank you. So maybe we can break that down a little bit because <laughs> yeah. those questions, I could speak all day on those questions. <laughs> so, um, so who am I? It's one of those things I never really know how to answer because I feel like I'm such a big person and I feel like I extend into so many different areas that I find it hard to just narrow it down to who I am. Yeah. But um, yeah, who I am, I love people. I love animals. I love expression of self in myself and and (laughs) so does she. (laughs) Yes. Thank you very much, Sean. (laughs) And I love it. Yeah, just beautiful. 
the lambs expressing themselves or, or people or whoever I come in contact with, just just allowing that personal individual to, <laughs> to shine. <laughs> He's jumping around now quite joyfully to me. I know. It's so interesting. This is but just think, beginning as you're talking about your self-expression. Yeah. And who you are and just being <laughs> being yourself and being connected. <laughs> gorgeous and it's i might have to do some sheep assisted learning i think <laughs> i just saw it like took this giant leap across the deck <laughs> but you're thinking about sheep assisted learning well i am right now <laughs> with the response from the sheep as we're talking i'm thinking yeah why not <laughs> it's the kind of stuff that we get happening with the horses all the time just that Somehow they just respond to what we're talking about and, and they just kind of act out what we're thinking or feeling or, or expressing. Yeah. And I, I feel this letting go in being here and being with the horses, being with animals. Like you can't plan things. You can't. <laughs> and they won't go as planned. Yes. And it's kind of fun just to see what's going to happen and embracing the unexpected things. That's a huge part of it, yeah. And and in being a practitioner, you know, getting to that point where I can let go and trust that whatever happens is going to be beneficial. Whatever happens, we're going to get something good out of it. So tell me more about your work. And, um, well, first I want to say I completely understand that sense of not being like the challenge of how do you describe who you are? Because mm. we're so many things, we are so big. And often in our lives, we've been told to kind of lodge ourselves into something yeah. or a way to describe ourselves. And it's just so narrow. Yeah, I definitely feel that. And it's nice to remember that we're just so many more things than the career that we chose have chosen or the things that we love or do, but we're just much more than that. Yeah. So how did your love of horses begin and how did you begin doing this work with equine therapy? Lovely. Yeah. I believe that it's something that was placed inside of me since perhaps before time began. I don't know. They've got a saying that once you've got horses in your blood, it's in your blood. <laughs> you know, like, uh. that's it. So um, my my parent, my mum's side of the family uh, were pioneers and farmers, and of course they used horses to work the land and to to make a living. And they had a very strong love of for the horse, and I guess that just flowed through to me. Um, when I was a child, I remember getting given My Little Ponies as a gift for my birthdays, and that was just my favourite present. And I would spend hours and hours playing with these My Little Pony toys. And I guess I just got this romantic view of the horse and their beauty and their speed and uh, something about their spirit captured me as well, I think. That makes so much sense about um, once they're in your blood. Yeah. And it makes me think of, I hadn't really thought much about this, but have you about centaurs and how human and horse were connected at some point yeah. or is it just a myth or what i well i personally believe the centaur is like a picture um a, a metaphor so the combination of of the human 
leadership and the horse strength and speed and agility combined, I I think that just it's a picture of wisdom. You know, the centaur is known for being a wise creature. And to get that oneness with a horse requires wisdom. And so I, I sort of view it as a as a picture, something to work towards, to strive towards, to be able to achieve that oneness, the human with the horse. Mm, that's a beautiful image. Well, and I just started riding. Ah. <laughs> and I've, I'm kind of tuning into that concept of being one with horse. How do you do that? How do, if you personally or how do you teach people? It's a journey. It's not something that is a quick thing to learn. Let me just set you up for that. <laughs> Thank you. It's a lifelong journey in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Um, I'm thinking in terms of mastery uh, because that sense of oneness, like you can achieve moments here and there where everything comes together. And we've got things like being grounded, uh, like things like being open to your environment and aware of what's happening around you. Um, and then there's that spiritual element of connectedness as well. Um, and there's a communication between you and the horse. And that happens on all three different levels as well. And so it's that coming together of the communication, the heart space, and that um, awareness and groundedness at the same time. Mm-hmm. I hope it, that makes sense. It does. It, it feels like tuning into your own body and your own all of your senses, intuition, and what's going on inside of you, as well as with the, with the horse you're working with or being with. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And there is that added dimension of the horse who has its own mind, its own feelings and thoughts and desires, and they may or may not align with yours. <laughs> so it's that journey of how can I encourage the horse to accept my ideas, my way of going and and what does the horse need from me in order to want to become one with me because that oneness is not something that can be forced from a horse it's it's something that that can be enjoyed uh, but it's not something that can be forced that's a really interesting thing to keep in mind it feels interesting to me right now because i think with human connections we often want to force them yeah and it is clear you can't with horses. It just feels like something easier to accept. Even with like cats, you know, when cats just walk away and flick their (laughs) head at you, you're just like, okay. But when a person does it, we can often feel so rejected or hurt Mm. or wounded. Um, Or at least that's, you know, I have had that experience. There seems to be an element of acceptance when it comes to working with horses. I think because the horse doesn't have an ego, it's much easier to accept their actions and not perhaps take them so personally. Um, And, of course, when it comes to forcing, you know, the horse, if we're going to get into a tug of war, he's a lot bigger, a lot stronger, even possibly faster, um, much more aware. So we really can't get into that, that game of push and pull and, forcing because if it comes down to it he's just going to squash you (laughs) (laughs) so 
that is one aspect that you work with people on communication. Very much so. How is the process of working on communication with the horses translate to human relationships? Is that what you're seeing? Definitely. So the beautiful thing is that once you've learned those skills and those ways of being, you naturally then translate them into other areas of your life. I can give an example. (laughs) Sometimes it does require a bit of focused effort. Like there is an element of that natural flow, but there's also this element of intentionally focus in, in that direction. And I had a experience where I was really working on allowing my horse to feel comfortable and relaxed in each moment uh, when I was asking her to do things. And I was really working hard at it. And then my daughter says to me, why don't you do that with me, mum? <laughs> so I had a good look at myself and thought, yes, I actually do need to translate that to the other areas of my life. <laughs> So where the, where the horse kind of forces me to learn how to do these things that I should be doing everywhere else, they actually, you know, do teach me those skills and I can translate them when I put my mind to it and, and focus on it, <laughs> aware of it. That makes sense. <laughs> so I want to just backtrack a little bit and talk about how do you communicate with horses? Like I said, there's different levels of communication that we can engage with horses on. So there's the physical level, and that's probably the most obvious and the the thing that's easiest to observe amongst the horses themselves. And what it's what you see when you see a horse person, you know, they will put their body in a certain way, point where they want to go, and those sorts of things. So there's that physical aspect of communicating through the positioning of our body. There is a tonal aspect in terms of voice. Horses tend not to use their voices much in communication in the wild, more so in domestication. But wild horses, if we go go back to the, the roots, very little voice. It's, it's used mainly for locating each other over long distances. So when humans use voice, um, we have to use it sparingly or the horse needs to learn to become accustomed to us using our voice, which is quite common these days. And so horses can be trained to respond to voice commands. You can say trot on and the horse will actually trot because it's been trained to respond to a voice command. So we can communicate in that way. And then there's also... There's a deeper space, there's a heart space of communication. And because of their sensitivity, somehow the horses understand what we're feeling towards ourselves and towards them and towards our environment at the time. And they actually respond to that as well. Um, what I try and do is, is try and communicate to the horse a purpose. Why are we doing this? And that heart space and setting them up to succeed and and give them a purpose, they actually want to do it because there's a reason to do it. But if I'm just like, do this and there's no purpose, they get bored and cranky and angry at me and like, come on, why do I have to do this? You know, just like a child Mm -hmm. might. Yeah, it brings me back to my days of teaching art. Exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, And adults, we want to know why we're doing something and not just being told. 
Yeah, and then I I do believe there's a kind of spiritual connection that can happen that's much more difficult to put words to. The spiritual realm is, for some, very difficult to perceive. And for those who can, some people are very gifted and and really um, understand the spiritual realm very well. Um, And those people will probably, if they're able to learn to be grounded, they will probably be able to communicate very well with horses because horses do have very big spirits. They're very spiritual creatures. So when you say spiritual realm, I know it's a bit hard to, uh, to describe, but what do you mean by that yeah. spiritual realm? Yeah, great question. I guess I'm thinking of a story, an, an ancient story of, have you heard of Balaam's donkey? No. Right. There was a man and he was riding a donkey and he actually was, so he, he was a prophet of God, but he was being disobedient to God. And he was going off to curse some people because he was getting paid to do it. And he was riding his donkey on the way there, even though God had told him not to do it. <laughs> and he, his donkey started turning aside and not going the direction that he wanted to go. So he started beating the donkey. And the story goes that after the third time, because he ended up getting his foot crushed against the wall by the donkey and he was really angry at this donkey and he's hitting him, beating him. And the donkey opens his mouth and says, why are you hitting me? And for some reason, he's not concerned with the idea that the donkey's talking to him, but he talks back to the donkey. Uh And he says, because you're not going where you're supposed to be going. (laughs) And the donkey's like, but there was an angel there. (laughs) And so his eyes were opened and he saw an angel standing in front of him, blocking his path. And he had a sword in his hand ready to to kill him, basically, because he was being disobedient to God. And so I kind of have this picture of the donkey could see what was going on in the spiritual realm. There was this angel there to destroy the man, and the man just had no clue, no idea, um, and was taking it out on the donkey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I think that's that's part of it. You know, there's mm-hmm. I, I believe in spirits and angels and demons and God Himself, and and so I believe that, and I believe we have our own spirit within us as well that can connect to other spirits in various ways so uh, and so then with the horse having its own spirit we then can connect on that spiritual level which is different from our our natural level mm-hmm. physical level mm-hmm. that deeper unseen to yeah, the eye level the beyond understanding kind of level yeah. yeah the infinite level beyond time and space and that can be what it feels like to be with a horse. In my experience, I just feel like it can take me into another place. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And, that, and I believe that can be on the natural realm and the, and the spiritual realm as well. Because they've done mm. studies that show, like they've measured the electromagnetic field of the heart of the horse. Mm-hmm. And depending on the size of the horse, it can expand to about 10 feet beyond the horse. Wow. Yeah, it's quite a big distance. And so then once you come within that electromagnetic field of the horse, the horse's heart is actually a lot bigger than ours. And so it can have 
an impact on our heart. And they've done studies where um, if you look up the Heart Math Institute, mm-hmm. they've recorded the heart rate patterns of humans and horses separately and together. And what they found is that a human, by sitting in that space of the horse for 20 minutes, by the end of that 20 minutes, their heart will be beating in the same pattern as the horse's heart. Mm, nice. And since the horses have a lot less ego and junk to deal with than humans do, they usually have a correlative heart rhythm, which is that kind of happy, stress-free, natural, healthy kind of rhythm that we want to have in our lives. So just by being with a horse, you can feel more relaxed just because of that. Mirror neurons, I would imagine, is one part of that, like we're mirroring that that vibration or is it more... There's an in, there's also the influence of mirroring. I I think it's a separate thing. I may be mistaken. I, it's not really. Uh, I'm not an expert in that field of study. But in my mind, it's two separate things. Yeah, and it's interesting. It's not the other way around in that study that yeah. the horses are well because their heart, as you're saying, is much bigger, and their the radius of the field, the electromagnetic field, is can be ten feet. That's quite big. Yeah. And for humans, I'm not sure what the radius is. About two feet, I is believe. It? Yeah. Okay. So I know for babies and mothers, it's important to be within 36 inches of right. mother, ba- right. mother and baby. So yeah, that's that fascinating. Sense. I checked out your website and it's beautiful. And you share so many different aspects of what a person can work on in their lives through working with horses and being with them. And I'm seeing this also this list of things. I'm just going to list a couple of these things that equine assisted learning can strengthen and enhance. Um, Sense of belonging, safety, self-worth, balance, care, relationships, flexibility, perseverance. Let's see, self-improvement, creativity, spirituality, a sense of purpose. Um, And you also had on your website money, family, career. Which ones are interesting to you to talk about today? I think family is one of those things because of the dynamic of the horses and living in family groups and just the necessity from a parenting aspect, like working with a horse is a lot like parenting. We have the things that we have to grow in and, and overcome as parents are the exact same things that we need to to overcome and develop to become a good horse master. And what kinds of things do you mean? Yeah, so emotional intelligence for one. The horse is looking for a stable, steady, strong leader, but also a leader that's going to listen and give them a voice. And so it's this combination of traits that we need to develop that confrontation of why aren't you doing what I want you to do right now and managing yourself in that. Am I going to react out of my ego or am I going to recognize that the horse is just being a horse and realize that there's a change in myself that I need to make in order for this to proceed in a positive Mm -hmm. way? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see how that can apply to children or relationships, mostly children, I think, in that more, that position. 
Because the children don't, their minds are not fully developed. And I, and I guess there's that similarity because with the horse, they don't have much of a mind. Their brain is actually the size of a walnut. So there's, there's very little cognitive processing going on, but they have big hearts, big emotions, and that, you know, that animal instinct that's, that's going along there. So I think children are quite similar in that they have very limited cognitive processing abilities, but they have big emotions and big hearts and things that they really, really want to do. <laughs> and so it's that learning, how do I communicate with someone that's actually not on the same level as me intellectually? Bridging that, that connection. Definitely. Yeah. And can you talk more about the quality of family within the horses or the herd or uh, I imagine that's part of what can come into the work with people as well. Yeah, it's it's very interesting because just like people, every horse has its own kind of personality. Some people call it a horsonality. <laughs> <laughs> you just like with every family is going to look different. Every herd is going to look different. And so what you've got to work with is what you've got to work with. <laughs> So there's this acceptance of of who you are and there's this idea of working together for the good of the community. In particular, in wild horses, they've always got someone looking out for danger. There's always someone on the alert looking out for a lion or a tiger or a pack of wolves that are a threat to the herd. The person or the horse that gets that job is the one that's the most alert. So out of all the horses, they have these little tests, these little trials to see who is the most alert at any one time. And so a horse might do something like try and sneak around behind another one and see if they can surprise them. Uh, And if they can surprise the other horse, then mm, they're not that alert, so they shouldn't be the leader right now. (laughs) Mm, Interesting. Have you seen this happen or... Um, I've seen it on videos. I haven't really seen it in person, um, but it is, it's something that if you've heard of Carolyn Resnick, I've sort of watched her training DVD and read one of her books, and it's something that she observed from spending time in the wild with horses, and it's something that she's carried on as a, as a training technique with the horse to say, can you keep your eyes on me? Can you pay attention to me as the leader? And so that's something that the leader will do, they will say, are you paying attention to me? Because I've got to say when we're going to run for it, you know, it's Mm -hmm. important. So the horse will be checking in with each of the herd members. Are you watching me? Are you ready to run if I say go? So yeah, there's this constant communication between one another. We can learn from that in our families. I think especially today, we just so easily let everyone go off and live their individual lives and there's less of that interaction of that in the family dynamic. I mean, some families probably interact more on Facebook than they do in person, you know, <laughs> like send a, a Facebook message, time to do the dishes, you know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think that does happen a lot. <laughs> it does. It really does. Um, so, yeah, I think the horses can be really good examples to us in in how to get back to that that physical connection and even just interacting with each other and staying alert to one another's needs and desires and and any any potential threats as well. 
Yeah, there's a lot of cooperation that you're speaking to. A lot. Yeah. And there is that sense of, you know, are we together? Ah, A yes. sense of togetherness because they do operate as one unit because if someone gets separated from the herd, they are in a very dangerous situation because it's very easy for them to be picked off by a pack of wolves or, or a lion or tiger. So having them all together is a sense of safety and so their survival instinct ensures that they really dedicate themselves to having that connectedness and, and staying together. That makes sense. So even here with our domesticated horses, they will always be checking in with one another. There'll be a flick of the ear, you know, a flicker of the eye. There'll be just like very slight, subtle body movements that would be like, What's going on? How are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. this is how I'm feeling right now. Little checking in here and there. Yeah. They're very alert, very aware to one another. And so let's say we're bordering some bush here over that side there. We had an emu come past the other day and the two horses in the end paddock, they you know, threw their heads up and they were their bodies became really tense. Um, and then they started to sort of need to get rid of some of that tension and they started galloping around the paddocks. But as soon as their heads were thrown up, um, my horse Shaya down the other end of the property, away away from all of this, she knew straight away that they'd seen something that could be a potential danger and she was watching them, you know, keeping an ear on them, say, do I need to do something mm-hmm. <laughs> at all the time, all mm-hmm. times. Yeah. A couple of things are coming to me. One is that... For a long time, for nine years, I lived in Chicago in the city, and this is such a different life. Yes. <laughs> and when you get into just being out in the open grass with horses, I'm not thinking about the things I'm thinking about when I'm in the city. I, I have to be in my body. I have to. <laughs> yeah. I have yeah. to pay attention to what's around me because yeah. who knows, like a horse could be right there that I don't know, or they don't know me or some other animal, who knows? The things that are front and center here are just very much bringing me into my body. Awesome. Yeah, it's really neat. And that's definitely one of our goals is to help people come back into their bodies. And I think sometimes in everyday life, it's very easy to almost become ahead. You know, we're, we're thinking a lot, we're planning all these different scenarios that may or may not happen. We've got to make a living and all these so much in our heads but out here it kind of forces you to be in your body and to kind of get a bit of that balance back so i'm so curious how you work with things like abundance and money really the sky is the limit you know my creativity is the limit but we can do things like projection so we can say okay this horse is going to represent money to you So depending on what your goal is, let's say someone may not feel worthy of receiving money very much. Okay, so let's say the horse is the money. What are you going to do to receive that money? Siri wants to help. She says, what can I do? Is that what she said? (laughs) How can I help? Nothing. Thank you, Siri. It's funny when that just pops in. So you were saying what 
what are you going to do to receive that horse or to invite them forward? Yeah, and it might be, I mean, we could do any number of things. Let's say there's an obstacle. It could be a jump or it could be something that the person's constructed themselves and we're going to say, okay, now how are you going to face this with your horse? And it's amazing because something different happens every single time. Like you cannot predict what's going to happen. (laughs) So whatever that person needs is what happens. So it might be, for example, I had a, and this is a slightly different topic, but it's the same principle. I had a girl who could not face going to school. Uh, she she was living at home. She she couldn't leave the house, but she was able to come out to visit the horses. That was her first step of leaving the house, and so that was her therapy. And she just could not face the idea of going to school. And so we said, okay, so this jump is going to represent going to school. And she's like, okay. She worked up, she got closer bit by bit, went forwards, went back, and then she, she finally was able to do the jump and she was so elated with herself and she said, can I do it again? I'm like, of course you can, <laughs> do it again. <laughs> and it was actually got a breakthrough for her and she was able to start going to school. Mm. So it's it can be the same with money, just like, okay, this obstacle represents getting money. Like mm-hmm. how are you going to face that? What are you going to do? And then whatever that person needs to do, they'll do with the horse. Or maybe it'll be for them, it might just be sitting with the obstacle with the horse and going, this isn't so bad after all. And that can just create a shift in their mindset and they're thinking about it. That's beautiful. It It's reminding me of family constellations work. It's just adding a horse into the picture. I mean, just briefly, it's. Um, using anything to symbolize whatever obstacle, challenge, or desire, right, or another person, and yeah. with that spiritual component, we can tune into the energy of that dynamic. Yeah, and so even if uh, a stranger is representing something for you, like money or yeah, your mother, yeah. we don't have to say any information, and that dynamic can show up. That's right. And with horses, they're so in tune as well. There's some connection, even if we're holding the intention, is my sense that I'm getting. Yeah, but I'm not sure yeah. how you see that. Yeah, there there will be patterns that people come with, ways of being that they present to the world or ways of receiving the world in general. And these usually show up in the work with the horses. Yeah, so, I mean, it could be uh, a mindset of the world is a dangerous place. Mm-hmm. And then someone with that kind of mindset is going to be quite jumpy around the horse. Uh, Cause I do a little safety talk before we start with the horse and explain that horses are prey animals and they can be startled by sudden noises and sudden movements. So yeah, that kind of person will be very jumpy. And so then it's, working with, okay, so how can we help you feel safe? How can we help you feel comfortable in this situation? And if they can learn to do that in this situation with a horse, well, then maybe they can learn to do that in other areas of their life as well. 
Yeah, I work with trauma a lot. And I've been thinking about that as you've been talking. Is that something you work with and how? And that safety component sounds like an important part of it. Yeah, it is. It, uh, it's important to be real about the risk and the danger, but to also be aware that there's, there's a real joy and a real beauty and, and pleasure that we can get from interacting with the horses as well. In terms of trauma, is that grounding of the person. So we, we will always do a grounding exercise before we go anywhere near the horses because you need to be grounded to interact with horses safely. That can be beneficial in itself before we even get to the horse. Mm-hmm. Once we're with the horse, it's that learning to be in embodiment, which is so hard for people suffering from trauma, that for them to learn that they can be safe in their body bit by bit. So one of the activities that's really helpful is brushing the horse. It's a relaxing, calming, soothing activity. The horse enjoys it. The person enjoys it. And it's it's this continual movement, that um, repetitive, rhythmic kind of movement. And, of course, we understand that rhythm is something that's very soothing to the human body. It also feels like a level of control you could have. That's right. In relation. Yeah, there's a lot of control because the horse is just standing still and the client is in complete charge of where they're going to brush, how hard they're going to brush, what direction they're going to brush, which brush they're going to use. Yeah, it's completely up to them. These all sound like very small and simple things, but even me, I notice going up to a horse and brushing them. It's, it's not, (laughs) it's like quite a big, important moment. Yeah. Like being in that moment doesn't feel small or silly or anything. It's really powerful. It's a point of connection. It's a point of giving and receiving Mm -hmm. with the horse. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, can be, uh, you know, apart from getting the dirt out of the coat, and you're giving them a little massage at the same time. And so it feels good to the horse. And then it feels good to us because we get to be in their presence. You know, we get to make someone feel good and that makes us feel good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this reciprocal energetic synergy. How about sexuality and like sexual development, sexual trauma? I find that horseback riding can be very therapeutic. There's there's a close connection between the person and the horse and of course it's very you know that sexual area is very close and mm-hmm. with the movement of the horse then you're moving your pelvis and your pelvic region and that can trigger all sorts of emotions memories, things that have come up. But because you're on the horse, you kind of have to stay embodied. You kind of have to stay grounded. So it really is a huge support to help people. And and the horse literally will carry someone through that while they're processing the sexual trauma. Um, Because obviously I wouldn't never put someone on a horse straight away. I always build relationship between the client and the horse before we get to that point. So by the time a client is is sitting on a horse's back, 
they know that they're friends. They know that the horse cares about them and is going to look after them. And so being able to to have that safe space, that support from the horse to process that trauma, that's just a huge support for them. I can just imagine that and imagine so many aspects of what the body might be carrying can release or can be held in that space without us even knowing it sometimes just what's moving through and you'll often see the horse will do some processing for the person so they might start yawning they might start you know dropping their head you know um they'll do various things they might even give a little shake shake their body you know (laughs) just kind of shake it off literally (laughs) or they're like (laughs) when they're like stressed and releasing it yeah very much so yeah I, I'll look out for that. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. So there's a real real connectedness in that the horse is going with you on the journey and it's you're not on your own. Yeah. And there's some understanding that the horse has of what you're going through and there's a sharing in that, being with you, supporting you in that. That's very beautiful, very healing. It's mm. so powerful. Very powerful. Yeah. I had a couple of questions, you know, within this area from people on Instagram. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, And one was about fibromyalgia. And do you work with that and how with the horses? I haven't so far, but I would be very open to it. If I did have someone with that, yeah, I guess everyone is different. So we need to go with what that person needed. So I would be asking, you know, what are your symptoms? What generates your symptoms? Um, and how can we manage that during session? And how can we make sure that we're not triggering you mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and keeping you safe uh, in that interaction? Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. And the other question was, well, and I think you've answered it already in the process of this was, is this something you do over a period of time, like repeatedly? Is that the recommendation when you're working with equine learning or therapy? Mm, great question. Well, it really varies according to the individual a mm-hmm. huge amount. So for in instances of, for example, violent sexual abuse, that's something that's going to require probably a long-term kind of multiple sessions over a long period of time to help really to get full healing and freedom. But then you've got some people that just, you know what, I've just got this issue right now and I just want help to work through that and they might only need one session or they might only need three sessions and they're completely happy, free to go and live life as they want to live. So there's a, there's a huge spectrum of needs and and what people can afford as well. So I don't like to have that as a limiting factor. I I really try and find sponsors for people who really can't afford it because I really hate the idea of someone not being able to get treatment because they can't afford to. Yeah, that's Mm. great. What a lovely idea to have sponsors. How do you find sponsors? Good question. (laughs) Networking, yeah, just letting people know what I'm doing, the value, the benefit, and then by telling someone's story. At the moment, I've got a girl who's about 14 years old. 
She is in a single parent family and her mother is living on a disability pension. And this girl suffers from severe anxiety and is unable to get a part-time job struggling with school. So that's the kind of person who we need a sponsor for because she really there's there's nothing she can really do in her current position mm-hmm. to to be able to afford that. Mm-hmm. So when when people sort of understand that oh it's not just because they're lazy or they just want a handout but you know there's actual um, you know real life situations that have put them in this position that they you know it's a real struggle for them. I think a lot of people want to get on board and they want to help those people because they want to help themselves and they just need a little support to do that. That sounds like exactly what you talked about with the horses looking out for each other and checking in and yeah, seeing yeah. who can offer something and who might need it or exactly. who's better fit for something at this moment or another. Yeah. yeah. So cool. <laughs> So we have a little bit of time left. Uh, Let's switch gears into challenges. What kinds of challenges do you see in your work or in your life? What are you working with now? Lots of things. (laughs) There's a couple that come to mind. I think one is that is a big one is that overextending myself. There's such a big world and there's so many people who need help and I can help them, but actually... I have a limited amount of resources to give. Uh, and I find that really frustrating because I, I kind of have this deep belief that I'm connected to limitless energy and I can actually, you know, do anything and everything. But then I find myself actually being limited and it's so frustrating. And I'm just like, yes, you just have a big heart and big desires to to be out there, it sounds like, and being in a human body. <laughs> It's a beautiful gift being in a human body, but it's limiting and that frustrates me. <laughs> I can imagine that and, and I can relate to that a lot too. Is it something you work with yourself on with the horses and how do you do that? Yeah, I may take it on a slight tangent, like with the horses, there's a lot of personal growth that I do with the horses and one of them is like this whole task versus relationship thing. I've done a lot of meditation on on the whole like, you know, getting tasks done is important. Relationships are important. Which one's more important, you know, is perhaps at one time the task is more important and another time the relationship is more important. And I feel like from working with the horses, yeah, there's this dance of relationship task, relationship task. And I think the beauty and the joy comes from doing tasks in relationship. But if you're doing the tasks at the sacrifice of the relationship, unless it's like an an emergency situation or, you know, a health concern or safety concern, I think if if you're sacrificing the relationship, that's when the task loses its joy. And so I've got this little dance of like, I need to get this done. But then if I rush the horse, I'm going to feel rushed. They're going to respond to my feeling of being rushed and we're going to get into a fight and it's not going to be fun anymore. You know, <laughs> And I've just lost the whole lifestyle that I, I wanted to enjoy in the first place, that peace and that joy and that relaxation, freedom to be present in the moment, 
kind of letting go of all these tasks that could assail me. And I mean, as a side note, your name is Joy. Uh, it is. <laughs> not, not so much of a side note that is so poignant. Yeah. And that it's probably a name of my life journey of, you know, from my history of depression and anxiety and, and learning to overcome that and to live in a state of joy. You know, that's the story of my life in a lot of ways. And then I had a, a vision where I was crying out to God to bless me and he came and he changed my name to Joyful. And I went and I looked it up in the dictionary and, and I realized there were three kind of aspects to, to the word joyful. And one was actually feeling joy. One was causing joy. And one was expressing joy. And so, yeah, my, my new name of joyful then reflects that not only was my name to be joy, but I was actually to experience it and to help others to feel that and, and to express that joy. Ah, full of joy. <laughs> Joyful. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> In all aspects. Exactly. Speaking of joy, just what is one tip that you have for people or thought around joy of how to cultivate it or to be in your joy? There's one thing that will keep you joyful, and that is being grateful and being thankful in every mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. There's always something to be thankful for, and if you can be thankful even in the darkest moments, then you can experience joy even in those moments. That's a really good reminder. I feel it's also very integrating to, to feel grateful. It's like tuning into something I'm grateful for, it helps me absorb that and feel into the joy, and then I'm just feeling refreshed for the next thing. And it's interesting because joy is an emotion, it is a feeling, and so we feel it in our body. And so if we are off in our minds or somewhere else, we're actually not going to feel joy mm -hmm. because we have to be in our body to be able to feel joy in the first place. Where do you feel joy in your body? Oh, everywhere, but mainly in my heart, I think. Yeah, there's. I don't know, it just feels like life, you know, it just feels like being alive and um and when i'm especially grateful it's like this bubble comes out from my heart and it's just like this bubble of joy and i think sometimes other people can feel it and see it and thank you for that thank you so joy is there anything else you'd like to share today anything else that's feeling alive for you or that you want to mention to all the people listening Something I've been exploring this week that came to me is that whole idea of, you know, it's been proven in research that forgiveness is a huge, hugely important to healing, emotional healing, and, and even physical healing, I believe. We're all interconnected. But there's that I kind of felt to take it another step further. So, I go to the Bible to get a lot of wisdom and, and understanding. And there's this verse that says, bless your enemies and do good to those who persecute you. And I I wrote a list of all the people who'd, who'd significantly caused me harm in my life. And then I found all the blessings in the Bible that I could find and then I spoke all of those blessings over each person 
one by one. Okay, so I didn't get all the blessings from the Bible because there's a lot in there, but, but you know, a significant amount that I could grab in that, at that time. Mm-hmm. It took me about 15 minutes. So I dedicated 15 minutes to each person to go through and just bless them. And I just found that as I did that, I became lighter and things like like dark energy left my body that didn't need to be there and I just had more room in myself for light, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that is just something beautiful that I'd like to share with people um, that in your in your healing journey to just find those points of pain that people have caused you and even yourself, if, if you feel like you're causing yourself pain, put yourself on that list. Um, as I did. And it was beautiful because, you know, two of the people who caused me the most pain were my parents. And and to be able to say those blessings over my parents from my heart space of meaning it and then realizing that the beauty of doing that means that those blessings then flow onto me as their child mm-hmm. and that interconnectedness. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's something very healing, very therapeutic about that and, and very joyful about that even it feels so I'm not sure if redeeming is a, yeah. a right word yeah like yeah. redeeming of those parts of you that are your parents that you're putting you're giving blessing and then yeah. it's, it just cycles back to you and it's something outside and inside exactly I think it, it's a good picture of how we actually are all interconnected even though we may not realize it and to be able to to bless those who cause us pain um, and mean it from the heart, that's very freeing. Mm-hmm. And it, it means that no matter what people do to you, you can experience joy because I can bless my enemies and, and honestly wish them good and, and just wholeness and financial blessings and just everything to have a beautiful, joyful life. And that somehow comes back to me. It's like transforming the energy completely. It is. Of what was there. It really is. Yeah, exactly. Incredibly empowering. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. It, it's so, I can feel it kind of chills in my body. <laughs> I mean, it's not a new concept, yeah. but hearing you speak to it and your heart coming through from it makes me want to go home and do that (laughs) (laughs) with you know what's left over for now (laughs) and that's the thing like I thought I'd forgiven everyone a long time ago (laughs) but doing this just kind of took it a step further yeah and just really erased any residual unforgiveness that I didn't even realize was there I think that's the the thing about human life the complexity is that we There's so many things that we don't know that are there, and then we only know them when we know them. And the layers of that can peel open. The more work we do with ourselves, the more expansion that we have, the more joy we have. Yeah. I find it just wants to push out all the other things. Amen. (laughs) And now it's raining here. It is. (laughs) A beautiful symbol of abundance and blessing. We've got showers coming down. I know. I love it. Perth has... So much rain in the winter, or at least this winter. Yes, and we're quite thankful for that, I think, to <laughs> That's have good. an abundance of water. Yeah, Thank you, Lord. so necessary. Yes, very much so. Yeah. So there, 
I want to just pull back to something you said um, about blessing and prayer. And we started off with a prayer and you offered that. I appreciate that. Um, And I noticed on your intake form that you had a checkbox, like, do you want to start with a prayer? And I wanted to offer space for you to speak about that because I know that even though I'm not I don't call myself Christian or Catholic or use the Bible in the same way you are. I always appreciate a prayer when it comes nice. from love. Yeah. When it feels like it is a blessing. It's, it's mm. a, you know, it's a loving mm. gesture. Yeah. It just doesn't even matter then, you know, what format it's coming in. But um, yeah, I want to offer that space for you to t- speak about that with your clients and with your work. Mm, thank you. Yeah. And I think that is important, what you've noticed about that, coming from that space of love, because I think love has got to be the foundation of everything we do as as healers and practitioners, Like because without it, I may as well just pack up and go home, I think, <laughs> to yeah. be honest. Right. Yeah. What, el- what else is it about? Exactly. Yeah. So for me, trying to do prayer without that space just doesn't, compute it doesn't make sense to me but I do know that some people do do that but that's not me (laughs) so for me it really depends on what you're comfortable with I limit myself depending on what the client is comfortable with what I experience is miraculous breakthroughs through prayer that wouldn't otherwise happen Um, and I'm talking even physical you know miracles Mm. so I had a, a young woman who had seen me once um and then she attempted suicide a month later unrelated to me and then she came back to see me as part of her condition of getting out of hospital that she come and see me again and so she'd slit her wrists across ways and she damaged nerves that they couldn't repair and she said now every time I move my arm like this, I get this tingling in my fingers and there's nothing the doctors can do about it. I've got it for the rest of my life. And I said, would you like me to pray about that? She says, oh, yeah, if you want to. And she describes herself as a believer but not a follower. So she believes that God is real but she doesn't by any means try and follow him. Um, And so I just said a simple little prayer and I said, try it out now. and. It was still there, and so I said another prayer, and then she just like this look came on her face, and she was just like her jaw dropped, and she was like, "What?" and she was like trying to like test it out, you know, <laughs> and and it was completely gone in minutes, completely gone in minutes. So some healing miracle had happened where the nerves were kind of moved or healed somehow. I didn't even know how, but that problem that she had didn't exist anymore. So we get things like that. I had another experience with the same woman, coincidentally, about a year later, and she was complaining to me and saying, oh, I've got to give up smoking because she was coughing and it was really impacting her lungs. And and I just felt impressed. I I try to be very intuitive and, and I just felt impressed to ask her if she was interested in doing a listening prayer. So a listening prayer means we basically just give God space to speak to us, whatever's on his heart to speak to us. 
And so she was like, I don't mind listening. So I'm like, okay. So I just said a little prayer inviting God to come speak. And before I finished speaking the prayer, this waste removal truck drove up. Um, It's kind of one of those moments where you're like, oh, this interruption to my prayer time, you know. (laughs) But I look around, I'm like, hmm, waste removal truck. Hmm, there's something about that. So I said to her, oh, what are you getting? Is anything coming to mind? And she's like, oh, no. I said, oh, I noticed a waste removal truck just drove up. I said, sometimes God speaks to us through our surroundings in our environment. I said, I think God's saying he wants to remove some rubbish from your life. I said, would you be willing to do to give him some rubbish? And she was said, oh, no, I'm not ready for that yet. I'm like, okay, that's no problem. We moved on to the next um, next thing that we were talking about. A couple of minutes later, she said to me, I can breathe. I said, what do you mean you can breathe? She's like, all the tar from my lungs has gone. I can breathe. (laughs) And I was just like, that is so awesome. (laughs) Whether or not she was ready to get rid of the rubbish, it was was going. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I get these beautiful, miraculous moments when I use prayer. And so I always like to give people the opportunity to be open to that if they they want to. That's beautiful. And it's really cool that People are just willing to try it sometimes yeah, and can find some miracle in it or, or something different, just being open. Yeah. I am very grateful that we get to be doing a session together. So um, thank you so much for both this part of the podcast and for the session we're going to be having. Before we shift gears and end this segment, where can people find you? Well, uh, my website is one place, equineassistedlearning.com.au. I'm reasonably active on Facebook. Um, so facebook.com slash alignedlivingeal. I post quite regularly pictures of clients interacting with horses or little things I see around the place, little birds and animals and things that show up and that can be quite fun. I also put some events on there from time to time, retreats and things. And I'm also active on Instagram. I confess my daughter runs it for me because (laughs) I'm not that Instagram savvy, but my daughter is my lifesaver there. And um, yeah, so aligned living is my tag on instagram okay lovely i will find you there (laughs) that's great is there anything else before we close i've really enjoyed it yeah it's it's a moment of (sighs) i feel that too especially with the rain coming down harder Mm. (sighs) it's that release yeah clouds emptying out what they've been carrying around Mm -hmm. and it happens to be a blessing to us Thank you. Thank you so much. Can I finish with a blessing? Please do. May God bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and grant you peace in every area of your life. May you be blessed as you go in and as you come out and in all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. I 
I'm so grateful that I got to come out to the horse farm where Shea lives and where Joy works to have a session with her and to have this conversation with her. I hope you found this episode inspiring and intriguing just like I did. And if it does call to you, feel free to check out the video that will come out later this week, highlighting the session that I had with her, which is quite vulnerable and deep. Joy has a special deal for her Embody Podcast listeners. If you mention the Embody Podcast that you've listened to, you get to receive 20% off of your first session with Aligned Living. That's her company. And if you book six sessions, you'll receive a bonus seventh session free. That sounds awesome. And if I'm in Perth again, I will definitely take that up. You can find all this information as well as Joy's contact info in the show notes linked to this episode, or you can go to her website at www.equineassistedlearning.com.au. It was truly a magical experience to meet Joy and to work with her horse, Shea. Shea is just sweet and loving and affectionate and will just go for what she wants, moves around with ease, and that just taught me a lot even witnessing witnessing her move around. Thank you so much for joining us in this very special episode with Joy Curran in Australia. And before you go, I'd like to invite you to join my newsletter, which comes out twice a month. This newsletter offers healing meditations, self-love notes, information about upcoming events and offerings. You can also become part of the Embody community on Facebook. Check it out at CandiceWu.com slash Embody. And if newsletters or the community aren't your thing, you might check out my Patreon page at CandiceWu.com slash Patreon, where you can even contribute a dollar a month and where you can get access to receiving personalized healing meditations that are tailored just for you for the time of your life right now and whatever you need. Hope you're all doing well out there. Sending my love to you and see you next time on the Embody Podcast. <music>